I'm starting from verse 28. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of God for the people of God. I came across a few good jokes to uh, start our sermon with today. This one's, uh, these are all about relationships. Uh, there's a question, how do you decide to get to, to who to marry? How do you decide who to marry? I'll get it out. And this question is asked of two 10-year-olds, all right? So Alan, age 10, says, well, you've got to find somebody who likes the same stuff. Like, if you like sports, she should like it that you like sports, and she should keep the chips and dip coming. <laughs> Makes sense, right? Makes sense? Okay, but Kirsten, age 10, she says, well, no person really decides before they grow up who they're going to marry. God decides it all way before, and you get to find out later who you're stuck with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just wisdom, just just great wisdom. Okay, here's the question. Is it better to be single or married? And uh, Anita, age nine, says, it's better for girls to be single, but not for boys. Boys need someone to clean up after them. <laughs> yeah, I see all the women going, yeah, boy, that's right, yeah, you got that. Okay, what do you think your mom and dad have in common? And Lori, age eight, says, both don't want any more kids. There you go. No more kids. That's it. Well, relationships are tough, are they not? But there's one relationship that we're told is easy, and yet we make it somewhat hard. And that's what our scripture lesson is about this morning. We come to this passage in Matthew following many teachings of Jesus, but this teaching is one that pulls us close. However we think we know God, I hear Jesus saying that it's easier than we think to know him. Come to me, all who are weary and with heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I love the way that Eugene Peterson puts it in his version of the Bible called The Message. Come to me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Isn't that nice? I love that. Freely and lightly. Uh, after all, let's think about uh, the Jews and their history of, on working to be God's chosen people. They put a premium on being a separate people, a holy people, because holy means to be separate and they came up with a lot of rules along the way in a very well-intentioned way to keep them distinct as a people. So rules like don't eat the meat of pigs or no working on the Sabbath. And over the decades and centuries, more rules got added to the point that when Jesus came along, he started a movement that said, too many rules. In fact, so many rules, they're getting in the way of God's compassion. So a few rules 
okay, but too many, it borders on ridiculous. So could it be that God all along was saying to us that we're making it too hard to get to know God? Come to me, and I will give you rest. Maybe what is needed is a new way that cuts through all the red tape, if you will, a new way that makes it easier for us to connect with God. Now, the book that David is using over the next several weeks is by Trevor Hudson uh, for our July Revival. And he wrote it called Discovering Our Spiritual Identity. It's a very good book. And in the very first chapter, Hudson asks a great question. He says, what is your picture of God? Is it a picture of a stern God that checks off all the things that you've done wrong in your life? Is it a God that is far, far away from us and not close uh, here? If so, then maybe it's time to put that image of God on the sidelines and look at a new image. He pushes us into being clear about what that image might be. And he, he wants us to add into any image that we have boundless mystery. Boundless mystery. So how do we get a handle on that? Well, it still is summertime, and you and I still have time to go to the Grand Canyon or to Yosemite or to Yellowstone National Park. We still have time to go to the ocean or to the mountains because those are the kinds of places that will bring us face-to-face with God's wonder and awesomeness. Those are the places that will help us get plugged in to a power beyond us in a way that we don't always do. You could go right up 412 uh, over toward Arkansas and stop off at the Natural Falls State Park. And if you go just 10 minutes off the road there, you can walk to an area that has a gorgeous waterfall, Natural Falls State Park. You could go to Woodward Park right here in Tulsa and sit down and just smell the beautiful flowers that are in uh, that garden. You could go to your backyard and be at peace right there. I could go on and on because, of course, nature is all around us. But know that there is this disconnect that we have often between our lives and where God is. And so often we get in our cars, we go to work, we come home again without touching one square inch of earth. So how can we stay connected? Have you been watching the new revised uh, series that's called Cosmos? It's on the Fox channel. And it's actually a remake of an older version of Cosmos that was done by Carl Sagan back in 1980. Now, if you happen to be under 35, you probably don't know Carl Sagan too well. And his famous phrase, of course, that he said, you can say it with me, the billions and billions of stars and galaxies that are out there. Uh, that was what made him famous. But did you happen to see who the executive producer of this Cosmos series was. 
It was Seth MacFarlane. Now, if you're over 35, you probably have no idea who Seth MacFarlane is, but Seth MacFarlane, he created the animated series South Park. And he's really a genius. And, and he's been in other movies too, but he got together with uh, uh, Carl Sagan's widow, Ann Druyan, and they, he found out that she was very interested in making this series. And lo and behold, he had a lot of disposable income, and he puts it, this goofy guy puts it into this wonderful series called Cosmos. And it was a series, if you haven't watched it, I invite you to, either one, 1980 or this one, because what the series does is takes us to another world out beyond ourselves and plugs us in to that power that's so special. Just by looking up at the stars, we connect with the God of mystery and wonder. We are brought to attention because awe brings us face to face with God. And once we have that sense of wonder about God, then it's easier to take the next step. I want to know more. I want to experience more. So Trevor Hudson says that in any true picture of God, there will always be room for mystery. And what we say about Jesus is that God stepped into human history through the person of Jesus. How much more mysterious is that? If you want your picture of God to be clearer, then look at the person of Jesus. For in his living and in his dying, through his words and his deeds, Jesus introduces us to what God is really like. And Jesus would say, I will give you rest. Come to me and learn how to live lightly and freely. To do so, you're going to have to let go of some pretty entrenched things. For when we look at the resurrected image of Jesus, we see his wounds, we know his suffering, and we can say that in real life, love often gets crucified and people do get hurt. That's the reality of the world we share. But nevertheless, the strong love of God always has the last word. Nothing can hold it back from working out its purposes. Not only does the Holy One experience our suffering as if it were his own, he is also relentlessly seeking to bring light and life into places that were once dark and where there was death. That's what we'd call a little Easter, isn't it? So whether you feel it or not, God is at work in your life. Whether you feel it inside or not, God's love is working inside of you. Whether you've been a Christian for 90 years or for 90 minutes, God's at work. I watched my favorite television show, CBS Sunday Morning, uh, the other day, and for obvious reasons, I have to tape that show every week. Uh, but I love it. I love it. They have great stories on there. And they had one on a new fad that is sweeping across the country of Japan, cat cafes. 
That's right. That's what I said. Cat cafes. Yes. So for $10 an hour, you can pay to walk into this room and it's full of cats. Oh, yes. And of course, where are the cats? Well, they're not all down here. There's, some of them are way up there, you know, perched up high, looking down as cats do. My cat does that. And there are cats that you can pick up and hold. And folks say they just feel so much better when they have that cat in their hand. One woman, she spends five hours a week on Saturdays at this cat cafe. Oh, yes. Now, what do you do to rest in your life? Yeah, cats maybe? I doubt if many of us would say, well, I go to Jesus. I mean, we do the normal thing, play a round of golf, go away for a couple of weeks, you know, spend a time reading a book, this kind of thing. It could be any of those, but what I've learned along the way in my spiritual vocation is I've learned a word that came from many people in my life, from mentors to authors to uh, many people who said to me, Bill, it's important that you find a spiritual practice. A spiritual practice that you can do on a regular basis to connect yourself to the power of God. Now, what might that spiritual practice look like? It could vary as much as being outdoors, taking a walk, to sitting in a room very quietly. The key is, is that you take the time. You take the time to practice because God's always there welcoming, inviting us, always out there doing that. It's just we have to make the effort to step forward. And then if you're willing, look at your own personality type and assess yourself. Now, if I'm assessing me, I'm not one that likes to sit still. Just ask any of the staff around here. I'm always moving. I'm always out. For me to sit still and be quiet, that takes some effort on my part. It's good when I do it, but it's hard for me. So I'm not one that does that too easily, so what I do is usually take a walk. I'm usually outside, walking in nature. That's more my way, but I have good friends who love spending time all alone in the quiet, love that, and they find their way of connecting with God Jesus says, come to me, bring your burdens, and you can rest with me because my yoke is easy. And so it's important that you and I can find the easier way to connect. What is going to fit your personality? What's going to fit for you? Because the welcome is always there. Now, many of you know that I love history. I was a history major in college, and I came across a book that was recommended to me called April 1865. And in that book, he talks about that month as being one that almost unraveled our nation. Think of it. It was a month in which Robert E. Lee surrendered to Ulysses S. Grant at Appomattox, Virginia. And six days later, Lincoln was dead. Now, I mean, just put that into <laughs> some context and imagine what could have happened. It was the first time that a changeover of a president had taken place in a time of crisis like that. 
uh, there were many other firsts that went on, but what was going on in the background, according to the author of this book, Kay Winnick, he was saying that there were Southern sympathizers that were out there watching and waiting. Southern sympathizers, sympathizers that wanted to create these little guerrilla groups and keep the war going, keep bleeding the North, as they would say. They were not happy, not satisfied, but they watched several things along the way while the war was going, and especially at the end of the war. They watched how Grant dealt with Lee. It was a dignified surrender, really, the way that he graciously took the arms of the South and dealt with Robert E. Lee. It was a tone that was set, that actually set the peace that was to come. But that tone actually was set in the months and years even prior to that by Abraham Lincoln too, with malice toward none and with charity toward all. Where does that come from? Or the Emancipation Proclamation, I mean, for that to get passed in the final months of Lincoln's presidency was, I mean, like a miracle because the Congress was just as contentious as the Congress we have today. It, it, it was just amazing that he got that passed. But the most significant question that haunted Lincoln during his presidency that kept him awake at night and etched worry lines into his face was how can I bring two separate countries together? Two countries that were different socially, politically, and culturally. And I would say that Abraham Lincoln used his faith in God to find a way through. We know that he went to New York Avenue Presbyterian Church while he was in uh, Washington, but I can't tell you what his spiritual practice was. I can't tell you what his prayer life was. I just can only look at the fruits of his labors. And I see remarkable things with malice toward none, with charity toward all. That had to come from somewhere. And I believe it came out of his own faith, out of his sense that he had to bind up the wounds of both sides and be able to bring them together in a way that he, that he could not only do, he had to turn that over to a higher power. Do you know the song that Lincoln asked to have played on the White House lawn just days after Lee surrendered? Dixie. I want to hear Dixie. That's beautiful. Come to me, all who are weary and with heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus says to us this morning, I will give you the inspiration you need to make your way through life. If you connect with me, I will connect with you. And together we can walk easily and begin to heal what hurts in your soul. Amen.